Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Like today on this Mother's Day, if it's a mother, you might want to share some appreciation, amen, with that individual sitting next to you. You may be seated this morning for a bit in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. So thankful today for everybody that's made, amen, a choice to be in the house of God on this Mother's Day and those that have come as a result of their mom or children perhaps today. We're grateful. Amen for you being here and thankful for that uh, today. Precious, precious day. Amen. He said it was written, written by a mother, and that it was entitled this, Things I've Learned from My Children. Maybe some mom can resonate with this. The mother wrote and said, I've learned that I've learned that a king-size water bed has enough water to fill a two thousand square foot house four inches deep. I've learned that a three-year-old's voice is louder than 200 adults in a crowded restaurant. I've learned that double-paned windows are not strong enough to stop a baseball that's been hit by a ceiling fan. I've learned that brake fluid mixed with Clorox makes smoke and lots of it. Play-Doh and microwave should not be used in the same sentence. Super glue is indeed forever. And no matter how much jello you put in the swimming pool, you can't walk on water. Marbles in a gas tank makes lots of noise when you're driving. He said, and if you want to know about how long it takes for a child to get to sleep, he said, it's about two hours, three cups of water, and 18 books. Amen. We honor our mothers today. Oh, the things, no doubt, that they have learned from us throughout time and over the years. Amen. If you'll stand with me this morning, I want to turn to the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon. Not a book of the Bible that we oftentimes go to or necessarily preach from, but I'm Paul McGee, and this is what I do. Song of Solomon, chapter number three. I want to read verses 6 through 11 today. And it is not my intention to hold you long at all. Song of Solomon 3, verses 6 through 11. This is the book in the Bible that for sure is a love story. It is the story of a man and a wife, or a man and a woman rather, prior to even becoming husband and wife that fell in love and it denotes and traces that love story and their falling in love and their glances of admiration for each other culminating to their married day and even consummating then their marriage but verses 6 through 11 hold for us the wedding day does anybody remember your wedding day every man in this house better have his hand up remember that wedding day remember the the feelings and the emotion and the excitement well, this is the wedding day of this famed couple in the Song of Solomon. And if you'll allow me to read it this morning, verse number six, the Bible says, 
Who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all powders of the merchant? Behold his bed, which is Solomon's, threescore valiant men are about him of the valiant of Israel, or about it of the valiant of Israel. And so you don't get lost in everything. What this is describing here at this moment is the approach of the bride. She is on the bed, his bed. She's being brought unto the groom. And they hold, all these that are about here, they hold swords, be an expert in war. Every man hath his sword upon his thigh because of fear in the night. And so she is approaching. She has this entourage of people. Verse 9, King Solomon made himself a chariot of wood. So this is a special day. Special day calls for a special chariot, I suppose. He has made himself a chariot of wood. He is going out to meet her as she is approaching. He's made himself a chariot of wood of Lebanon, of some of the most precious woods. He made the pillars thereof of silver, the bottom thereof of gold, precious metals, the covering of it purple, the midst thereof being paid with love for, which is really of, the daughters of Jerusalem. Verse 11, and there's a cry then in all of this pageantry of a wedding and the excitement of a wedding. There's a voice that echoes forth and says, go forth, O ye daughters of Zion, and behold King Solomon with the crowned wherewith his mother crowned him. The day of his espousals and the day of the gladness of his heart. This is a wedding day. Man and a wife coming together for marriage. There is a lot of celebration, a lot of things that someone's eye and ear could be holding by. But a voice cries out and says, don't miss the crown that's on his head because that is something that his mother has crowned him with. And so this morning, with the help of the Lord, I want to simply preach this. Solomon's crown. Solomon's crown. I hope the Lord will help us here today. Father, I come to you this morning. I'm asking, oh God, for your help, Lord Jesus, in this place. God, as we bring all of our minds and all of our attention God unto you, Lord, that you'll say, God, what you once said. God, this is not just God for mothers today, but this is for every individual that's sitting under the sound of my voice this morning. God, this is your word, Lord Jesus, that's reaching us, Lord, trying to find us. God, where we are, Lord Jesus, to help us, God, along life's way. God, we'll not fail to thank you and we'll not fail to appreciate, Lord Jesus, what you're capable to do in this place. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So perhaps one of the greatest climaxes of the book of the Song of Solomon has arrived here in chapter number three. This moment has arrived, the wedding day of Solomon and what the writer calls the Shulamite, the Shulamite woman. We have followed them. If you have ever read the Song of Solomon, I know some people try to, de to deter from it. It's just too, it's just too uh, heated with passion uh, to read. But if you were to follow them and follow their story, their relationship up to this moment of time 
has been flirtatious. Their relationship up to this moment of time has been heart-wrenching to think of a king that would have eyes toward a woman that worked into the fields and the vineyards and who had become blackened, her skin blackened by the sun and her toil in the field. And so now their relationship and everything we have read about their flirtatious glances and the love that they have in their eyes for each other has come to this moment in time in chapter number three. Amen. Uh, all of the verbal exchanges that they have had and their love that they have professed to one another, whether it was he standing outside her door or peering through the window or shouting it from the heels of that vicinity, it has all brought us together to this very hour for this man and this woman. The bride, according to the scripture, she has been sent for. There has been a grouping of men and a group of people that has been sent in order to secure the bride and bring her to where the groom is. And there are onlookers that see as she is approaching. They, they can see in the distance something that is coming and they have spotted her coming out the Bible describes out of the wilderness she comes and there is a stirring if you will of the dust of the desert floor with each step that those 60 men that surround her take and as they are stepping that cloud is arising above uh, the bed that she is being carried on she has quite the entourage about her and no sooner had their eyes caught her approach and her coming. There's something else that happens. Another sense of theirs is being impacted. Their nose begins to smell, amen, the pillars of smoke that they can see in the distance. That's just not dust from a desert. That is an aroma that is arising from where this lady is and she is coming. And the atmosphere around about her is a very fragrant atmosphere. The Bible says there are odors of myrrh and odors of frankincense that surround her and fill the air demarking, amen, this most special occasion that she is coming to. But this isn't just any day, mind you. This is, this is not a going to the supermarket day. This is not a day uh, where there's gonna be livestock chosen, if you will, for a sacrifice. This just isn't any day. This is the day. And so we should have this type of entry of myrrh and frankincense that's billowing up and filling the atmosphere in the air She's arriving, if you will, the Bible says on his bed. She's arriving on Solomon's bed. It has been sent for her. It belongs to him, but it has been sent to her for her transportation. And whoever is coming on his bed today, he intends on making his. Whoever is arriving on the bed that he has sent, which is his, whoever's upon that, whoever's perching on there with the myrrh and the frankincense around her, that's the very woman he plans on making his today. He prizes this woman. He loves this woman. He adores her, has deep-seated affection for her. As a matter of fact, according to the scripture, we can see that this is a lady that he wishes to protect. This is a lady that he wishes no harm to come to. A, a normal guard for a king was the number of 30, but he has doubled that on this day. He's not just going after, if you will, a king or a prince. He's going after his princess. He's going after the one that his soul loves, and so he doubles the men. He 
doubles the manpower. 60 men are round about her, but not just 60 ordinary men, not just 60 men of any walk of life, but these are 60 warriors. These are 60 valiant men, men that are well equipped to do the job of protecting and keeping the bride safe from harm and evil. Her appearance of her wedding day, here she is coming and he's ensuring that she's going to arrive there safely and she's going to arrive there well. They have swords by their side glistening in the sunlight and they have the knowledge of knowing how to use those swords if necessary. And yet in all of this, we have this grandeur of the bride, but what would be a wedding without a groom? I mean, what, what would be the wedding without the bridegroom? You, you have all this pomp and you have all this pageantry and, and it's indicative, if you will, of a notable suitor, of a notable man that thinks much of this lady. And so here along the journey, now comes Solomon going out to meet her. She's coming to him. He's going out to meet her. This is King Solomon. Amen. His bride approaches on his regal bed, his regal couch, as it were and he has made himself ready and he has made a chariot just for this momentous occasion a chariot that is so showcasing his status and his placement if you will as a king in life you can read it the Bible begins to talk about all of the decor and the decoration of this chariot it is made of the wood of Lebanon which was probably cedar wood of an imperishable material he has made this chariot of every kingly material that you can imagine he has incorporated in this chariot he has pillars of silver and a a covering a canopy over layment of gold and there's a canopy and even seats and cushions of purple designating the royalty amen of his position in life the, the scripture even says that and, and this is the way that it trans, translates out that there was even mosaic type of tile in the bottom of that chariot that's been fashioned by the daughters of Zion with depictions of, of love scenes upon them that have been special custom tailor made for his chariot that he's going out to see his bride. Amen. For his bridal chariot. All eyes are on this very moment. The intersection of the bride with the groom. The intersection of her path and that bridal procession and his path and his chariot where they are going to meet with all of the ornate and embellishment if you will of both parties. Not one detail has been overlooked for this moment. Not one detail has went by without being considered. Everything has been arranged just proper. Everything has been arranged just so. This is an important day. The timing is perfect. There couldn't be anything better than what's going on. And then as we have these two parties meeting, there is a cry, almost like a third party, that comes up and a voice is crying out. And it's admonishing the daughters of Zion to behold King Solomon. I mean, our eyes have already taken in the seat that the bride is coming on. We've already smelled the aroma of her approach. We've already taken notice of all the gold and the silver and the inlayment and, and we've seen all the pageantry and the pomp of everything that's taken place. I mean, what more could you draw our attention to? What more could our eye fasten upon? And yet it says, look, behold, King Solomon. Someone say amen. 
the voice is drawing the attention to something in particular that maybe nobody has yet really recognized or took notice of yet. And the Bible says it was there right upon his head. And they're saying, look, I can almost imagine as they start to talk to each other, what, what, what have we missed? What, what, what did we overlook? Are there some fabrics that's been imported from India that perhaps we didn't see? Or, or is there some precious stones studded the side of the chariot that we missed? What, what, is, what is it that we must see? What have we missed? Behold King Solomon with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him with. Now what is this? What is this crown that his mother has crowned him with? I mean, the air is filled with the odors of the merchant powders. And the bride is present. She's there now. She has arrived. The groom is present. He's there now. He has arrived. He, his chariot's very ornate. We have 60 fighting men that are surrounding all of them. And we are being directed to the king's crown. Can I tell you today that the crown that sat upon Solomon's head was not the crown of his kingship. It wasn't the golden crown that, that would sit properly upon the head of a king which Solomon was. This was not the crown that he received on his coronation day. This is not the stately crown of gold that's embellished with, with, with his position and his life and his stature. No, this is the crown that his mother crowned him with. And even some conjecture, not only is it the crown that she crowned him with, but it was the crown that she had made, that she had devised, that she had construed and put together just for her son, just for this wedding day. So among all the other fine things that the scripture depicts to us of this royal wedding day, amen, and they are great, they are, they are wonderful, they are just high class. Among all those, our attention is being put toward what was probably a floral or laurel crown that was placed upon his head, given to him from his mama. Someone say amen. How important can a handmade crown out of flowers and laurels from the hands of a mama be in comparison to the silver and the gold and the inlayment of the chariot and the bed that his bride has come upon? How important can that crown be? Namely this today, how important can it be knowing that Solomon's mama was none other than Bathsheba? Bible says Solomon's mother was Bathsheba. This is the woman. Just walk with here me today. This isn't just a, this is a message for everybody, all right? This is a woman when she was called upon and she makes her appearance in scripture. It was whenever David Solomon's daddy called for her, having seen her bathing from his perch of his home. He called upon her to his house. She went to Solomon's dad's quarters, amen, and she went into that place, and whenever she came, David was not her husband. Whenever she came, 
Solomon had not yet been born, but Bathsheba was the, 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 the wife of another man. And there's no indication according to Scripture that she refused David or she sidestepped his request, but Bathsheba came in and the Bible even tells it concerning David's side that there was a moment of adultery that was in their life, amen. And this happening alone, this, this moment, if you will, of indiscretion alone even would cause David when he could find no other way or no other prompting, no other way to get around it, it caused him and provoked him to go to a, a venue of even taking who was her husband, Uriah, taking his life. And so we have all of these things, if you will, that's attached to a moment of mistake and a moment of failure of Bathsheba. And so whenever you have this crown and we're stating plainly, that's a crown that his mama made upon his head. There are minds and there are opinions that could have went to a variety of places. There are people that could have been recalling, if you will, that moment of indiscretion could have been recalling if you will, the adulterous relationship that she had with David. And yet Solomon seems he could have had the kingly crown on his head at his choice. He could have had the kingly crown on his head, but rather than the kingly crown, he says, I'm going to wear the crown that my mama made. Oh yeah, I'm going to wear the crown that mom made me. I'm going to put it on my head. See, see Bathsheba, and she, like many of us, us other mothers and anybody in this place today, I wish every one of us could just see five stars by our name for every moment in our life, but it doesn't work that way. There are some days that we don't perform as well as we should perform. There are some days we're not successful as we are at other days. There was another occasion after Solomon already become that the Bible says, here's Mama Bathsheba. She comes into his presence and she says, Solomon, I would ask you one thing for your half-brother Adonijah. She says, I'm gonna ask you this. Could he have a bishag, that Shunammite, could he have a bishag as his wife, David, in a rage? He said, if you're gonna ask for that a bishag being his wife, a, a woman that, that was ministering to his father David when he died, if you're gonna ask for that lady, you might as well ask for the king. So here's just another faux pas, if you will, for Bathsheba. She messed up, naively messed up. She's been an adulterer, and she asked for something for one of the half-sons, amen, that was just as equal of asking for the throne. So everybody could have thought when they seen that crown, and that's Mama Bathsheba's crown that she gave to her son, could have thought adultery, could have thought a naivety of that lady to even ask for that, and so on and so forth. But the man that it mattered most to is the one that was going in the crown. The one who it mattered most to was the one donning the crown. Solomon. And he's wearing it on his wedding day. And the 11th verse says that he had gladness in his heart. Someone say Amen. Because eventually the adulterous thing, that would be public. No doubt as gossip goes, what she did trying to ask for a bishag, that was going to get out. And we all know that bad news travels faster and gets further than anything good. And so he's wearing here on his head something that could be somehow significant to him, but not necessarily as significant as in the eyes of the people of what all the negative things were. 
that that could represent from Mama Bathsheba. Is everybody doing all right? But between the time of adultery and the time of going in and asking for a bishag, which seemed to be a naive, a naive request, asking for half the asking for the throne for another son. There was another story in First Kings chapter number one concerning Bathsheba. The Bible says in verse number fifteen, and I just want to read it to you today. And Bathsheba went in unto the king into the chamber. The king was very old. She went into where David was laying, her husband. And Abishag the Shunammite ministered unto the king. And Bathsheba bowed and did obeyance unto the king. And the king said, what wouldest thou? In other words, what do you want, Bathsheba? And she said unto him, my lord, thou swearest by the Lord thy God and to thine handmaid saying, Assuredly, Solomon, thy son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. And now, behold, Adonijah reigneth. He, he took the kingdom. He took the throne. And now, my lord, the king, thou knowest it not. And he hath slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance, and have called all the sons of the king, and Abiathar the priest and Joab the captain of the host but Solomon thy servant hath he not called and thou my lord O king the eyes of all Israel are upon thee that thou shouldest tell them who shall sit on the throne of the lord the king after him otherwise it shall come to pass when my lord the king shall sleep with his fathers that I and my son Solomon shall be counted offenders this who had been known as an adulterous lady. This lady that had the scars, if you will, of her past upon her life is the same lady that would enter the room of the then serving king and say, remind me, if you will, king, I thought I remember you saying somewhere in the past that it would be our son Solomon that would be sitting upon the throne. He said, but there's another boy out there right now trying to claim ownership to the throne room. And if nothing is done, if nothing takes place today, he's gonna rule and reign and me and Solomon's gonna be left in the dust. But if you can arise from your weakened state, if you can arise from your deathbed and set the matter in order, all will be well. Someone say amen. The Bible says that David, you, uh, uh, is everybody okay? Amen, I, don't, I hate to miss any part of this. Verse number 28, the Bible says this, that then tidings came to Joab. Amen, and Joab had turned after Adonijah. Amen, and the Bible says in the scripture, amen, I, I, wrong spot. The Bible says in scripture, but me, even thy servant Zadok the priest, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the servant Solomon, hath he not called. The Bible goes on to say, and I'm just missing where the scripture is. Amen. Verse 28, I guess it is. Then King David, of First Kings 1, then King David answered and said, call me Bathsheba. That's Solomon's mama. 
And she came to the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore and said, As the Lord liveth, that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress, even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, thy son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon the throne in my stead. Even so will I certainly do this day. The Bible says Bathsheba bowed herself, amen, to, to the earth, did reverence, amen. She said, let the Lord my king last forever. What are you saying? I don't know how many people was privy to that encounter. I don't know how many people was privy, amen, to what happened behind those closed doors where a dying David, David was on his deathbed just trying to stay warm and put together. But there was a woman that was known publicly as an adulteress that went into the closed confines of a king and said if you don't do something today Solomon's not going to be king if you will she went to bat she poised her son to be the next and so yes on Solomon's wedding day when other people are saying well that's an adulterer she's made mistakes she's did that she's did this yes I'm going to wear my mama's crown today because nobody knows like I know that she went in when no eye was seeing no ear was hearing and And she poised and positioned me to be able to have the pomp and the pageantry we're having at this wedding right now. Oh, God! No, 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 no. Someone say amen. I'm going to wear this crown that this mother crowned me with. I know her history is laden with mistake. I know her history is laden with adultery. I know she made some bad pleas and bad requests along the way, asking, if you will, almost equally for the throne. Amen. But the same woman with a jaded past walked into the king's presence when it was important, when it was necessary, and helped secure the throne for me. I don't want anybody getting wrong ideas. It wasn't because she was an adulterer that made Solomon king. But it was in spite of that. That that aspect of her life put her in a place to be the wife of David in order to poise then her son and position him to be king. Someone say amen. So that little crown cocked to the side of his head not made of gold, just laurels, just flowers that his mama put together. <laughs> Symbolical of, if you will, that, that plea that she had made to David of making Solomon king. I got to preach to us today. God, just give me a little more time. But my back's loosening up. And I'm starting to feel like we might be able to preach here. Uh, can I tell you it's not just the mother's crown but it's the Fred McGee's crown it's the Paul McGee's crown Whew. it's the Tasha McGee's crown it's everybody sitting under the sound of my voice's crown that has been properly positioned upon the head of our king can I tell you this this morning that the Bible states that whenever Jesus Christ himself in his earthly ministry was walking toward his demise of a cross, 
that they would first have the trial and they would first have, if you will, the court ruling from Pilate and Herod. And you read your Bible, you read the harmony of the Gospels. There was a place somewhere along the journey that the Bible says they stripped the clothes off the Lord and they put on him a purple garment. Oh, royalty. They put on him a purple garment. Another harmony of the gospel says, and they put in one of his hands a reed. Amen. But when you do know, here we have the emblems of royalty, the emblems of kingship, of a purple robe and a reed in his head. But what they put on him for a crown wasn't gold, wasn't silver, wasn't embellished, wasn't ornate. But the Bible says the soldiers played it together a crown and it was made of thorns. I go all the way back to the book of Genesis and understand that the ground was first cursed because of the transgression of humanity and thorns and thistles came up in the ground because of sin. That man wasn't crowned with gold or silver, but he was crowned with the sin of humanity upon his head. And I'm telling you, he was glad to bear it that day. He was glad to bear it that day. Why? Because because of your sin, he bore his own body. That put him on the tree. Because of the sin that he bore his own body, that brought the culmination of him being lifted up on the cross. Hallelujah. He's not doing it because of your sin necessarily, but in spite of your sin. Amen. He's taken all that upon himself. And he has a crown that humanity has crowned him with. And they see sin. They see stain. They see mistake. But he sees is it positioning him for rulership of the world? Someone say amen. Men, it just don't seem to fit royal ro- purple robe, staff. And you all bring out here a crown of thorns. Yeah, because in reality... It's this right here that's brought me to where I am. You want to glory in the resurrection? He says, look at the crown that humanity's made for me. Solomon says, you see all, you see everything I have around here? He says, look back, behold the crown that mama crowned me with. Mistakes, yes. Flub ups, yes. But all of this and even her intervening has positioned me for the position I serve in right now. What are you saying? I'm saying this. Whether mother, father, whoever you may be. You cannot. You cannot flub up bad enough. There cannot be a mistake too horrid. He won't take it as a crown. (sighs) That he won't take it as a crown for the top of his head and say, this day I've been made glad. I'm not telling you that the crown upon his head then is just a perpetual sign then of an adulterous lady. No, no, no. But of a woman who was an adulteress that had a shift in life that could then make intervention for a son to have the throne room. I'm telling you today, I don't care 
what the past may have read and what the allegations may be against you. There can be a pivotal moment in your life today that will cause the king to don a crown that's made by your hands. Leave the thorns there because that's indicative of who you are. But there's some other areas there that's indicative, amen, of who you are becoming. If you can stand with me today all across this place. Jesus in his earthly ministry never wore a crown except the crown that humanity made for him. Oh, what's that sweet aroma? What's that glistening of gold? Wait a minute. Wait. If you can just bow your heads today. Wait. Turn your attention toward the crown. Oh, look at the purple robe. Oh, yeah, that's great. Look at the staff in his head. Oh, that's great. But wait. Look at the crown. Look at the crown. That's what, that's what humanity, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, that's what they have created for me. I'm going to wear it. That's placed me where I am. That's positioned me where I am. That's, that, that's created me to be the perfect lamb of God for the sins of the world. This is it. And so, lady, today, come in, if you will, weeping over your failures. I wish I could have been a better mom to my children. I wish I could have done this better or that better. And I've, I've made some pleas and requests. And I've done some things that perhaps I'm not too... Not, 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 not too proud of, not too proud of, not too proud of. But I'm telling you today, everything you've weaved together, although some are not high, high benchmarks in your life, everything you've weaved together, the king's willing to put upon his head and don it as a crown. Because all of those things, as odd and as peculiar as it may seem, has positioned him for kingship in the throne room and he's still reaching out to you Mary that raised Jesus is the same Mary that was standing with 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost the Bible says there's many times along in her motherhood and, and life that she held all things in her heart all things in her heart I guarantee to you she didn't have every day to be a stellar day but when she stood there among the crowd on the day of crucifix, that was still his mom. And he said, John, behold that woman, woman, behold that man from that day forward. Mary went home with John to take care of her because Jesus from the cross, knowing that she was an earthly mother that was prone to the mistakes and failures that he was on the cross dying for. So I'm going to take care of that woman because what's on my head is even a, a crown that she has made for me but I'm glad I'm glad what she's made I can bear <laughs> I'm glad what she's made through success and failure I can bear these altars are open this morning there may be some people sitting in the sound of my voice. And I say people, not just mothers, people. There may be said people sitting under the sound of my voice. It says, Brother McGee, I don't know if some of the things I've created with my life if he can bear. But I'm here to tell you this morning, he can. He'll bear them and he'll bear them gladly. 
he'll bear them gladly. Let me be the voice, the third voice in the Song of Solomon today and say, Behold your king and the crown that's been made upon his head by his mother. For all of our purposes today, the crown that's been made upon his head by humanity. And yet he's wearing it gladly. These altars are open. If there's somebody that has, that has somehow become detached from the presence of the Lord or lost, they're, they're just going through life and they're floundering around, floundering around. I want you to know today you have a king that's willing to bear. You've had your moments of indiscretion, yes. But all of that, maybe, maybe unknowingly even and subconsciously for us, it's just prepared him for his throne prepared him for his kingship oh let's talk to the Lord right now brother Mason I don't know if you got something for us today but I feel the Holy Ghost oh yes come on let's talk to God thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC again that's FACMC thank you and have a blessed day.